Do I have to go back to mindful Mondays and breathing exercises? For the two of us, I think, just for us. I I uh, I, I I took you and uh, Sammy right to the edge there with. Uh, Okay, it just started as an innocent question, Sammy, and you, which forward needs to go? That's basically where the conversation started, correct? Yes, correct. As a G- I don't even think we got to your answer. No, we, I don't know. As a GM, you have to consider all options, so Thank that's you. why I'm willing to open my ears. Thank you. Some guy texted and said, fast forward to t- two years from now. Cal Dubas, Matthews is our own rental. <laughs> yeah, that's... So, too many. Sammy, before we move on here, uh, we're going to just touch on a few things around the league. Okay, off the top of your head, who's who's the forward that you would trade if you need to make a trade right now? Uh, it's so hard. I, I think, you know, who has the most value at this moment right now is probably Willie with that contract. But you guys said the... Well, the, the players, and Yeah, and the contract is good for a guy who's playing really well. I guess it's a Marner by default. Is because, Nick Ritchie in the top four? Well... Mm-hmm. Here's a question I'll ask you about the Devaris contract. Is it movable? Like, even if he would waive his no trade, is somebody taking that thing? I don't, I don't buy into that. It's completely untradeable. There's always somebody out there that has headaches. But are you eating money it, on that it, thing? No, it would. It, uh, that's interesting. Eating money or attaching? Well, they don't have prospects or picks or picks. It's just. <laughs> Moving your headache for somebody else's headache. Right. And depending, there's always a way to package it that you could alleviate maybe a few million dollars if you find the right partner. But I can't even approach guy, Toronto based guy who came here. It would be very hard. Yeah. It would be very hard. How how do you do that? Because once you do that, you sully the relationship in the first place. And off the top of my head, I don't know. Are we dealing with a no move as well? I believe it's a no move. How how can it not be? Yeah. Right? Right. He had all the cards in that negotiation. I would assume that there's... Including that $12 million San Jose deal that we know now Kipper thinks is not real. Now, if if there wasn't a health issue with Jack Eichel, could a Marner for Eichel... So I... That one makes sense in my head, and I haven't really discussed it as much out loud because I'm waiting for someone to tell me why I'm dumb. But, like, it sure sounds good for the Leafs, doesn't it? I mean, if you're the the Sabres, Marner's 24, and his contract's not that terrible. Top five scorer in the league. Something you... Oh, I think... <laughs> I, I think I think there'd be a lot of teams willing to trade in, trade out with Mitch Marner. Yeah, just to bring him in, whole oh, contract. Yeah. Out. yeah, for sure. You know who absolutely loves Mitch Marner is Sidney Crosby. So you, you want a Malkin deal? I'm not suggesting that he ends up in Pittsburgh, but I'm just, I, I know just they, 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 uh, they did the, uh, the Biosteel camp together. Yeah. And I heard that Sid was just raving on Mitch Marner. Let's not look. Marner's one of the few best playmakers on planet Earth. When he is his usual dynamic, creative self, there is, I can't imagine a player that's more fun to play with than Mitch Marner. Even guys like McDavid and McKinnon and Crosby, well, McDavid and McKinnon are like fast and powerful. They're probably not as fun to play with as Mitch Marner. So I don't blame him there. Should we do news? We'll, uh, 
We'll pick that up. Uh, we'll pick up that conversation in like a year and a half. <laughs> is okay, Sammy, is that okay? I think that's fair. Is that enough? Is that yeah. enough breathing room Just for you? Kick that one down the you road. Know, now that we've traded all four of the best, least best players from the seventh game of the season, everybody's probably ready to okay, not good. subscribe to the pod. So yeah, all right. Maybe we should talk about. For the record, stuff. we all think they should keep all four of them. So agreed. JB defender PK Subban has been fined five thousand dollars under the CBA. The most uh, allowable for a dangerous trip. Did you see this? What is wrong with that? What guy? is? I have they. I think they have used dangerous trip in the past, but that it's something that's almost now. I think there for PK Subban because he had one earlier with Ryan Reeves, and then we saw the same thing with uh, Milan Lucic. By the way. Couple of big boys he's targeted there. I guess that's one way to take down a you know a couple of redwood trees is to chop them down low. But those are dirty plays, man. The, the Lucic one really could have hurt him. I, I thought that was maybe suspendable given the Reeves one. I thought three weeks ago. I, I, honest to God, I thought a game or two for sure. Yeah, especially coming off of the Reeves. And yeah. PK, which likes, by the way, retroactively looks a lot worse too. That you can't really claim it was an oopsie when it keeps happening. He comes in hard and he he clips the back of Blends knee yeah and is it a full slew foot it's like he doesn't have the front part of the like pullback on the slew foot but he still has the guy go skating forwards taking out the bottom end and making a guy go over backwards so if if his head's if his head slams first behind him it's suspendable yeah and if he doesn't it's a dangerous trip like I, at this, this point, this if he does one, it again, I'm this sure is it's one I, I do not agree with. Yeah, I don't agree with, and uh, he is very aggressive with his feet. It's also just like even if it's not the most dangerous play in the world, there's like a quit being an idiot level where it's like stop that. Like we're on to you. It's illegal. The, the suspension thing, or sorry, the fine thing when you're making nine and a half million dollars is not even a, a deterrent. So yeah, it's something a little stronger next time, I'm sure. Lucic doesn't get up and start chasing him around the ice. That, that's, he's, he's making some enemies, man. I would not want to play Calgary or New York. That, that surprised me. Yeah. That uh, he wasn't that upset. Like, I think he should have been. One other uh, piece of news that I want to give you a little bit of credit for here. For, you know, I, I didn't see this one get uh, RT'd around the Twitter world nearly as much, but the... Uh, Nikita Kucherov, eight, out eight to ten weeks. Uh, I believe, Where did you hear that? I believe you had that like a full week ago. Um, uh, you must have. I don't remember what I tweeted. You don't? Sammy, what? Do you remember what I tweeted? Kipper, I you I have notifications on for your Twitter account. I just refresh waiting for your wonderful <laughs> So Of course I saw it. But a week ago you said just, that he'd be out ten weeks. And indeed, he is eight to ten weeks. One week later, maybe so, you should just good be call. listening to the show a little bit more. News is coming. Get a little of those tidbits every once in a while. Yeah. So that's people can quiet down about the whole LTIR. You know what Tampa Bay is doing here and there. People really don't even. They don't know what it it's, means. It's so fun. Like they introduced the salary cap when in two thousand and four. People, uh, I don't know. And I don't claim to be this huge expert on it. Brandon Pridham sitting over here. But, but there's there's a lot of people that just have no clue, right? So yeah. they just assume now that Tampa Bay is going to go out there and get a, a $9 million player and then bring him yeah. back in the playoffs and, and win the Stanley Cup again. Probably not going to happen. Um, <laughs> not going to happen, I should clarify. Uh, Tampa Bay, though, 
you know, getting a big win over Pittsburgh, but that is pretty dire, is it not? Like they lose some pretty important forwards and Gord and Coleman and Goodrow. Coleman's been wonderful in Calgary, and we'll get to them in a second. But you know, now minus Kucherov, Stamko's not getting any younger. Uh, do you think Tampa Bay is in any trouble here in a tough division, or is this a, is this simply a case of a team that's going to sort? You've it out? got at the end of the day, you come up the middle of the ice with Vasilevsky, Hedman, and Braden Point. Yeah, I think you're 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 gonna be in the thick of things. It's funny if you look back at teams that win Stanley Cups, you can do that with just about every Cup champion. You know, whether it's you know, going back to St. Louis with, um, you know, their goaltending and Pareko and Ryan O'Reilly's maybe the lightest example of Chara Bergeron and pa- and uh, Rask. You know, and Tim Thomas back in the day. They just there's tons of of a history of this of when you have that up the gut like they do. They always figure it out. And you got to write an article. Uh, what do we got? Uh, we got Shane here. Hey, boys. How you doing? Shane O'Brien, everybody. Former NHLer, co-host of the Missing Curfew pod. Uh, we were just discussing, OB, uh, uh, how many times did you miss curfew that uh, this had to have been the name of your pod? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be when we were, we were thinking of the nickname. Um, obviously, we came up with this one. So we... Uh, as Kipper knows, curfew is is uh it's a guideline more than anything in the NHL. They, 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 they <laughs> oh, it's supposed to be. BS. They, they, it's, it's a it's a guideline that hey, this is what time the coach would watch in bed. And uh, but no, we definitely broke it a few times, fellas. Were you? Uh, an, I was a nervous breaking curfew guy. Were you a confident breaking curfew guy? No, nah, no, you never you're never really ever confident about it. But I, I had a guideline. Obviously, the night before a game. You know, you got to be home by a decent hour because you don't want to let the boys down. But, you know, if it was a practice day the next day, my rule was if it's close to midnight, it's either time to go home or you got to stay out past 2 o'clock. So that was kind of the way I went, Kipper. <laughs> if it was theme. either midnight or, two, or past 2. We, we had Scott Gomez on last week, and he said it was the same way with Lou Lamorello. It's like you can't miss curfew by a little bit. You're either all the way in or out. So that, that is a bit of a common theme. Um, yeah. we, we, were, we were discussing the... Uh, you know, major media markets, and Mitch Marner is under fire here. You played in Vancouver where the media is pretty tough on guys too. I mean, do you get some sense for what it must be like to go through that constant pressure? Uh, the, you know, he obviously has the big contract to go with it, but you know, the weight of the media, does it really affect guys all that much? You know what? I, I think it does. Obviously, negatively, when you're not playing well, it does for sure. You, you bring up Scott Gomez, and I mean, you, you know what Gomez went through in Montreal, um, you know, he could talk about it firsthand. And for me, you know, I was lucky in Vancouver my two years. We were good. But, you know, I, I think of Roberto Luongo. Um, you know, obviously he, he was making big money. He was a captain of our team. And even when things were going well and we were winning hockey games, if, if we did go on a little skid or whatever, you have to, you know, answer the same questions over over, over and over and have his media scrum. And, um, you know, you could tell it, it could wear on a guy. So obviously Louis handled it well because he was a pro. But, um, you know, there's definitely pressure playing in a Canadian market and having to answer the same questions over and over. How about the role of, of maybe your, your management team or, or your coach? Is there a, a place where they can help alleviate or do you just hope that these guys can dig their, their uh, themselves out of a hole? You know what? I, I think for me, it's it's the public relations guys, right? It's whoever's the head of the, you know, for us, it was T.C. Carling in Vancouver. And, and T.C. did a good job of, uh, you know, mediating the questions. And, and, you know, if there was a day where, you know, I'll use Louis again, where Louis didn't want to talk, maybe he would, 
you know, bring in somebody else to talk and give Lou the day off. So I, I really think it falls under the guys that are brought in there to protect the players from the media and maybe help them uh, answer questions or deflect the tough questions. And, and when they do need a day off from the media, which I'm sure Mitch Smarter could use one now, maybe you give it to them. Yeah, do you think that actually uh, can affect team performance? Like, you know, we hear that the media market is just too much. Like, uh, for Marner and crew here, it, it does feel like it is the pressure. Like, is there a chance that this is a totally, like, an okay team that's just struggling straight up from all, the weight of it all? I mean, it sure doesn't, it doesn't help. But, but listen, boys, listen, I, I grew up in Port of Ontario. I was a diehard Leafs fan, yeah. Dougie Gilmore, Wendell Clark. I still love the Leafs. I watch the Buds all the time. These guys have put themselves in these situations. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't feel bad for Mitch Marner. You know, he's making $11 million. He's a world-class talent. He's 10, 20 times the player I ever was. But you're in the market. You're making big money. It's only going to be those guys. And Kipper knows this. Like, you know, they, they bring in different guys. Until your superstars turn it around, they're going to have to deal with the criticism because expectations are so high on them and they're making big money. Is it right or wrong? I'm not sure. But it just is, it is the way it is when you play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And just look at the way that the salary cap's gone, where they've really eliminated OB, the middleman. Yeah. It's either you're making a boatload of money or you're almost at the league minimum, but it's really, really put pressure on on those guys to perform. And if they don't, it's almost as if you you ask for all the money, you're, you're going to take all the heat. Exactly, and that's a great point. And you know, I was actually I was uh, I was in the league when the lockout when the when the cap was going to come in. And Don Fear told us he said, "Listen, the the big guys are still going to get their money, and it's going to squeeze away the the veteran, um, you know, just I guess national league average NHL guys that you know were, were guys. I guess what I'm saying is guys like Matthews and Marner. If if the salary cap wasn't the way that it was, they may have more veteran guys to help them out. But it is the way it is, and like you said, they make so much money right now that it's. You know, people are not going to feel sorry for them, and they're, they're going to have to stick together to dig their way out of this. So, like, media stuff aside, you said you watched this team a bunch. Is there anything that you identify with this team where you go, like, that's got to be better, this has to be better? Like, we're all trying to diagnose what's going on here. So it's just been such a rocky start. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you're not going to win the NHL with, with, with turning the puck over in the neutral zone. Right. And, you know, you watched them play Carolina the other night, and that's a team – Carolina, and listen, we all love Rod Brindamore. That's a team that is knocking on, a, on the door to win a Stanley Cup versus a team, in my opinion, that's not even close to winning a Stanley Cup. And they just play with more structure. They take care of the puck. They compete. I mean, the Leafs were doing – I mean, Matthews did so many flybys there against, against Carolina. And then you see Mitch, Warner, Mitch Marner get walked uh, by Slavin on the back end. It's little stuff like that that if you want to win night in and night out in the National League, you've got to do. And, and for me, it's their puck management and their play through their neutral zone right now. Is, it's not nearly good enough. Did you happen to see uh, PK Subban with that little uh, little uh, kick to the back of the knees uh, uh, well, on uh, uh, Lucic uh, last night? No, I didn't he see got, it. No, he, he, he got fined. I think five thousand dollars on it. Uh, that's the second time that he's kind of flirted yeah. with that. Uh, Ryan Reeves, did you catch that one earlier? Uh, I think yeah. in preseason. Um, I mean, you you if you you want to be aggressive, I get it with P.K. Subban, um, and there are little tricks, I'm sure, that you had uh, <laughs> either in front of the net uh, <laughs> here and there, but are we going to start seeing a little bit more of this stuff here? Because I'm even the headbutting that we've, it's almost non-existent. We've seen a couple of these things here and there, but um, I just, I, I thought it was worthy of a, a game or two the other night on Lucic. I'm just wondering if you if you had any thoughts on that. 
Yeah, well, the, the first one he did on Revo, I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, right? Because you're going to the corner against one of the biggest, strongest guys in the National Hockey League. You know, there's a cross-checking lockdown now, so you don't know if you can go with your cross-check. So I gave kind of PK the benefit of the doubt that he just kind of got a skate caught in there. Um, you know what, I'll have to look at it again. But, you know, if it's, if it's similar to that, then, um, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of thing. It's just, I, I, if he did it again, I think it could be a one or two games because the first one, I thought was borderline, but I gave him the benefit of the doubt because it was preseason, because of the new cross-check. But, um, yeah, as for the headbutting and all that stuff, there's no room in that for our game, as you guys know. But uh, And the slew foot's not far behind it. What what was your go-to move? Were you a <laughs> butt-in guy? What, what are your cheap tricks in front of the net? I oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I had I, I like the old can opener, but then they took that out of the game, so I couldn't do the can opener. Um, I was a big, you know, little cross-checks, uh, slash the back of the leg, slash the top of the foot. Um, all the stuff you're not allowed to do now is what I really pride my game around. <laughs> Are you okay with that? The crackdown on the cross checking. There has to be a battle in front of the net for space. Yeah. Yeah. That's for me. I mean, in front of that blue paint, it's an NHL. I mean, you can't go there and just set up shop and have a picnic and tip pucks. in. I think from an old defenseman, obviously I want to allow battles in front, but I think as a fan now more than anything, when I watch the game, if we lose that, if we lose the ability to go in front of the net and battle and keep, compete for pucks, then um, I don't like it. I'll give the players benefit, man. They, they, they've adjusted pretty quickly. I thought Kipper, honestly, I thought this was going to be a complete gong show with this cross-check thing, but the players have adjusted on the fly pretty good. But uh, in front of the nets and down in the corners, uh, we can't lose those battles. That, that's hockey, and that can never change. So they've, they've cracked down on it? Uh, the players have adapted, or they stopped calling it a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I guess maybe, I mean, I've seen some that I thought were, you know, a little bit borderline at the start of the year. And then uh, I, in my opinion, I thought the players have adjusted now, granted they, you know, I didn't think cross checking, cross checking was a big problem in the regular season. And the only reason this happened in my opinion, boys, is that the Montreal Canadiens went to the Stanley cup finals and Weber and the boys on the back end were cross checking everyone. And Perry was doing this thing. And then all of a sudden the world we live in with social media, cross checking is a problem. Like, you know, last year was a different example because of COVID, but some nights in the regular season, I'll watch games and I don't see anyone touch anyone. So when they said cross-check and crackdown, I was like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal to begin with. I couldn't have agreed more. Like, watching all the things that go on in the hockey game, I was like, really? Cross-checking? Like, guys just battling for position in front of it. Even, like, the slashes to the hands didn't seem super common to me, but I guess they got to deal with something. Um, how, how was the transition for you gone doing the, the media side of things and the podcast, do you hear from guys who are playing like, Hey man, shut up. Or is it, uh, has it been pretty easy for you? <laughs> it's been, uh, you know what, as, as you know, when you retire, it's, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the first, you know, first six months to a year was difficult. You know, you do something your whole life from 16 years old. I moved away to play in the OHL with Kingston Fronax. And so 35 or 36, that's what I did. So it was a little bit hard. And from the media aspect, you know, I always got along with the media. I figured, you know, why be mean to them? Because they can hurt you more than help you. So I always go along with them. And um, I figured there's something I wanted to stay in the game. And um, I just told myself, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be honest. And if people don't like it, so be it. And yeah, I wasn't the greatest player in the world. But if you play over 500 games, I figure, you, you know, you must know something about the game. And just watch each year as there's less and less guys that you played with or against on the ice. Then it gets really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's already getting like that. I, I turn on a game, I know like two guys. I'm like, holy Jesus, get bad here, boys. <laughs> hey, Shane, anything uh, 
you know, I know we're only six games in and there's a full panic, of course, in, in, in a city like Toronto, but just some storylines that we're seeing. Uh, I often refer to it as Freaky Friday where the good teams are on the bottom and the bad teams are on the top of the standings. <laughs> yeah. But it is kind of nice to see a little, uh, I don't know, is it overachieving in Buffalo? Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's great. And listen, I, you know, I don't know Kevin Adams personally, and, and I, I love Jack Eichel. And I, I've said this since last year. I just thought, listen, you don't want to get taken advantage of as a GM. I get it. I just think, you know, you see it in Columbus with Seth Jones, right? Seth wanted out, boys. They got rid of him. He goes to Chicago. Now they're building a new culture there and looking forward and playing well. It's just, it's a distraction in Buffalo, I still think, with Jack. I think once Kevin gets taken that, uh, gets that taken care of, I really think they can move forward. Uh, they're playing good. Columbus. Uh, I love what the Florida Panthers are doing. And, you know, the one team, the St. Louis Blues, I, I thought they were a little long in the tooth, boys. I thought last year they looked slow. Um, they're playing great. Their defense looked good. Tory, Tory Krug is playing really well. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of Ryan O'Reilly. They look like a good veteran team that's off to a great start. What about uh, out west? What do you make of your uh, Vancouver Canucks, uh, you know, team that's 3-3-1 and one to start the season? Lots of talent, maybe some flaws. What, what are your thoughts on where the Canucks are at this year? Yeah, I love the moves Jim Benning did. Uh, obviously, all of Alekman Larson and Garland bringing them in, I thought was great. Um, you know what? I still think they're a little soft on the back end. Uh, I think they're 5'6". Mm-hmm. Need they some cross-checks. Yeah, even with the cross-checks. I know they got Luke Shen there. I know, I'm not sure what's going on with him. Um, and then up front, I think they got great depth, great skill. Uh, and once again, I just think, you know, they lost Zach McEwen on waivers to Philadelphia. That guy was a big part of their fourth line of just – you know how it is, Kipper, having a guy in that dressing room that can protect your guys. I know it's not like it used to be, but in my opinion, you always need guys on your team like that. Oh, and finally, the Flyers actually get a guy that can fit that, that, that image that the fans really have appreciated over the last few decades. 100%. And you know who else has gone into Philly and done a great job is Nate Thompson, who's a good buddy of mine. And, and Nate's you know, dealt with a lot of stuff off the ice. And um, to still be playing at his age and face-offs and fighting and hitting, uh, um, you know, he's played great in Philadelphia, and um, I think that's another team that could surprise some people. Shane O'Brien, co-host of Missing Curfew, the pod. Obi, thanks for doing this, pal. Appreciate it, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Obi. You got a piece out on the top goal scorer in the National Hockey League, and his name's not Ovi. I know. Or Austin Matthews. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Maggiapane. Don't look now, but uh, this guy's got seven goals in six games. Actually, Elias Lindholm also has seven goals for the Flames, a team that, how about this, couldn't score any goals last year. Then they hired Daryl Sutter, and they score more goals? Is That uh, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but they, they found a way. Well, did you see his first goal in New Jersey? Like, it was a tape-to-tape pass from the... From the, yeah, <laughs> from, yeah. the, from the defenseman. You guys are not, not, not a not, Jersey not, fan. Sammy's not either, eh? Like, uh, Boy, it, they're bad. It was a gift. Yeah. It was an absolute gift. And, and good on him. You still got to finish. Yeah. So but it's it, a great story. In the article, I mentioned a whole bunch of stuff I didn't know about Mangiapane, which is basically this guy finishes as well as anyone in the NHL. Like he, his shooting percentage over the last three seasons is top five in the NHL. He barely plays. So his goals per 60 or, you know, top 10, this guy's an elite finisher and you don't really think of him that way. When you look at the flames, you know who he reminds me of and it'll, I mean, I have not watched what kind of edge he plays with Mm -hmm. on every given night, but I see a little Brad Marchand. 
Interestingly enough, Marchand is okay. there in all those same stat categories, goals per 60, shooting percentage. I look at him. I don't know if it's just maybe that they're 5'10". I don't know. Mm-hmm. Brad might even be smaller than that. But I remember when we covered the the World Cup of Hockey in 2016 and Brad Marchand had a, a, a good reputation as being a, a guy that can play hard. I mean, he made Team Canada. Right. But then there was this coming out party because he played with uh, Sid mm-hmm. and I think Bergeron, Bergeron mm-hmm. which decent line. <laughs> absolutely dominated. But that was the, oh, Brad's way better than I thought. Yeah, yeah. So he's next level. Like Mon- the case isn't that Mangiapane's there, but there's some element of this guy's game that I think he's a lot better than people realize. He's only 25 years old and well, statistically, I could see this guy. He was on pace last year for almost 30. He might he might be a guy who scores 35-40 this year. I mean, he's he really is that good a finisher. If he gets a little more ice time, he plays under 15 minutes a night right now, which is a little insane. And Calgary. That's a Daryl Sutter thing. And Calgary off to a great start, 4-1-1. One and one, and uh, they they were desperate. They needed this. I couldn't make any sense to them last year. I bet against them at every po- – or sorry, bet on them at every chance I could, and they just never turned it around. So I guess contract years maybe for Goodrow helps. <laughs> Is that part of it? I, lo- I just love this the stat line from Mangiapane. Six games, seven goals, zero, zero assists. Going for the Cy Young. I love it. I love that. <laughs> he's not bad, but he's no Zach Hyman. Uh, oh. <laughs> hey, listen, Hy- Hyman's in those stat Sammy. categories too. That's salt. Just- Second in the NHL in, in power play goals, third in total goals, uh, top shooting percentage listen, guy. Listen, I don't want to pat myself on the back here, boys, but I'm about to. All the, that going into the offseason, when there was a, pretty much a guarantee that Zach Hyman was gone, and everybody in the lease world's like, well, you know, it's a necessary evil, it's a cap world, it's what's going to happen. I was saying, this is going to suck, guys. Like, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this is going to suck really bad because he's going to go there. The back half of that deal may not be great, but who cares? The thing He's going to go there and be perfect, and everyone's like, oh, you just it's the cap world. And I was like, okay. And now we're living it. So. I mean, there's never – I don't think anyone thought that he wouldn't be worth the money right away. It was like, how long can you play like that and have your body hold up when you're not – They're not caring about your six and seven of that kind. Yeah, we're – Kenny Holland's, like, already into, like, job-saving mode. Five games tonight including Zach Hyman's Edmonton Oilers against Philadelphia, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that'll be on uh, Sportsnet 360. A lot of eyes in Florida. We believe Joel Quenville will be behind the bench for the Florida Panthers as he gets ready also to have his in, in-person meeting, I would imagine, in right. New York with Gary Bettman. And the focus here is the Toronto Maple Leafs and the, and the Chicago Blackhawks. So... All right, boys, we mentioned no Taves, no Kane. They win tonight. You think so? Yes. This is where you called the loss to Carolina. You you can take your all your analytics. We can go and dig up Mike Kelly's numbers (laughs) and just say eh? (laughs) this will be the game when they find a way to put the puck in the net and And get her going. No, because this is Leafs Nation. And so Marc-Andre Fleury makes a 50-save shutout. (laughs) Listen. Sammy, is this what you're scared of? Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm trying to spin a positive here. Listen, if I had to bet on this game, I would bet on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I'm not a gambling man, so I will not do that. Unless it's golf and the Masters. Then I'll bet on that. But 
I don't see any way that they're going to lose this game, and that's scary. I feel like they're going to go in, and the the Marc-Andre Fleury thing is what's the most, I guess, scary, because you look up and down that lineup, it's still not as good, like, the, the... the Penguins on Saturday still had some guys that play the NHL. Still, like this is a pretty bad roster. I have a theory on tonight. My theory is that tonight actually matters a whole lot, not just from two points, not just for you know confidence or or whatever you want to call it. In that, this team at some point is going to go on a run. They've got a lot of talent. They're going to score goals. They're not going to stay cold. These elite guys. They're going to win some hockey games. And everyone's going to say, "Look, everything regressed to the mean. Everything normalized. We told you this was a pretty good team." But what tonight is, is a game they're supposed to win. And they have not proven that they can win these games. There is some sort of mental deficiency, some speed bump, where when they're supposed to win, whether it's David Ayers or, you know, whatever, you know, Pittsburgh the other night, whatever the circumstance, they cannot win the games they're supposed to win. So I think tonight matters. Proving to themselves that they can handle business when they're supposed to. And they are supposed to tonight, no bones about it. Sammy, you got this as a... Fork in the road game. Is this going to be one if they happen to drop that you will judge a big deal, judge their character? Is this a judge your character night? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yes. You know, I don't think there's any way that I just don't think they can lose. And that's what scares me. I just like, I will. (laughs) I'm already, listen, they can't. Kipper, I've been judging their character for the three weeks we've been doing this show. I've been judging everything about them. I, I, you know, my belief in this group is waning at best. So if they go out tonight and they find a way to lose to this team in this situation, boy, oh boy, my belief will be even lower than it is right now. This, this will be rock bottom. If they lose tonight, I guess that's the only way you can look at it, that this is rock bottom. And then maybe they can go back it's up. Always lower. It's always lower. Derek, if there's a chance that um, Sammy's not in tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not, boys, I'm not in. If um, uh, they lose tonight, you can find us. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. <laughs> I have not given you uh, permission. We have, we have been awfully hard on this Leafs team that still has a lot of talent. So it would be nice to see them validate some of that talent and just come out and handle business, though. The, the good news is, though, is they're, like Chicago uh, is struggling. Uh, Seth Jones, minus nine. That helps, doesn't it? Uh, like there's still there's guys on this roster. What is wrong with Seth Jones that he's minus nine? I don't know what's going on. Come on, uh, analytically guys, he hasn't. Analytic. Well, he hasn't been good, and that's they signed a contract that has not been a analytics favorite. In fact, people called it the worst contracts analytically uh, ever. It was a bad one. So Chicago has enough guys that aren't playing well who are good players, that there is the potential for that turnaround if you're looking for a way that they can upset Sammy. But but I just think eventually, like bunting Matthews, Matthews Nylander, you're going to get something out of that group tonight. Tavares and Marner together, I think you're going to get something out of these guys. We're due. It's time. Okay, don't say we're due. You're not on the team. No, but as someone talking to <laughs> Leaf Nation on a Leaf show, I believe we're eligible. <laughs> I've, I've written not, adamantly in favor of we. You're not on the payroll, are you? you well, anything depends I need how you to look know? at it. I don't know. If you squint, I think Sammy, I am. Sammy, you got a score for me tonight? 4-1 Toronto Maple Leafs. That sounds pretty good. I'll take that. I'll, I'll, I'll sign that. Out. I'll say just like if they fully break things open, we go 5-1. Five goals for the Leafs tonight. I'll take a step above Sammy. One dollar more. 
Yeah, I'll 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 go four two with an empty netter. Okay, and, so that's a close that's game. Okay. Three, everybody can, everybody will be breathing until uh, Saturday against uh, Detroit. You know, it's on your list of priorities for tonight. Where is seeing something from Nick Ritchie? I, th- I think you just got to lower the expectations with Nick Ritchie and just let him play his eight or ten minutes. And he had a big hit the other night in Carolina, didn't he? Who'd he smoke? Pesci? Yeah. Okay. While he was on the uh, listen, it, it's, a, it's a start. <laughs> no, it is. It's it a is. start. It is. Find two more hits like that tonight. Yeah. That's all. And and we're on our way. I liked Colby's point, though. Baby you, steps. You got to find a way into th- this hockey game. Whether if you're not, if it's not going well offensively after 40 minutes, whether that is a big hit or running around or whatever it is you got to do, you got to find a way to make your presence felt somehow. I just said fight in a lot of words. All right. Five games on tap. The one that we focus on tomorrow, Chicago and Toronto. You know who we need on this show maybe tomorrow to give us a little bit of a background? Mike Kelly? Uh, No, no, (laughs) no. How about Mac, Doug McClain? You think think I can find him? Yeah, I think he's in a Winnebago in Georgia or something. Oh, we got to get him on. (laughs) That'd be awesome. All right, I'm going to find him. It's been amateur hour at its best. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, for all you out there, you're not going to want to miss that tomorrow. Doug McLean. I'm going to find him. In the house. All right. And wherever you get your podcast, give us a rating and review. All right. Tell everybody how good Justin Bourne is and crap all over me. Cosine. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, and the crew for Real Kipper and Bourne. Sportsnet, the fan 590.